Will you, uh, will you pray with me? Lord, I often ask you to stand in my shoes, to give me your thoughts and to speak with my mouth. But Lord, this time we ask that you give me your voice, that you are able to project, to carry the sound in a better way than I can project it. Uh, Lord, we still want to hear your gospel. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to learn what you have to teach us. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. This is your message for us, not my message for them. In Jesus' name, amen. How is the projection? You guys okay? Can you hear a bit or not? Okay, I see some thumbs up. You? Nothing. <laughs> All right, thank you. We're in uh, Matthew chapter 8. Jesus just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and the first line in chapter 8 is he came down from the mountain and a bunch of people followed him. And we're going to look at three healing miracles. Uh, and we look at those, and you, you hear about the leper, and you hear about the centurion, the faith of the centurion who has a sick servant. And then you, you hear about uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And you think, that's just beautiful. And it is. But there is way more going on here than we think. Because there, from the Jewish perspective, there were three groups of people that weren't treated as equal to all other Jewish people. There were those that were outcast or sickly. So lepers, for example, um, people that were sick and were outside of community so that they did not infect everyone else. There were the Gentiles known as the goyim. Uh, anyone who's not Jewish was considered a dog. And, not, and we have nice little pet dogs. Um, I never did, but everybody else has nice little pet dogs. Uh, but they had scavenger dogs. So think of a jackal or uh, uh, not a hyena, but just scavenger dogs that eat your trash. And so think raccoon and how much you would love to have a raccoon in your house. That's how they saw anyone who was not Jewish. If you think back to the, 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 the woman at the well and she was Samaritan, uh, you think of the, of the parable of the good Samaritan. It was the worst thing in the world to have a Samaritan be the hero of a story. And then the other group of people that were treated less than others were women. And so when Jesus, who just rocked the world, just, just changed everything with his Sermon on the Mount, he took the upside down and cracked world that we all think is right side up and good, and he flipped it back up. And he said, this is the kingdom of God. This is what God wants to do. And this is how he wants you and I to respond to his gospel. This kingdom has just been initiated. And the very first miracles he does after his launch of his public ministry in the gospel, according to Matthew, the very first miraculous sign he gives is one that everyone else would have walked away from. So let me grab my glasses and we'll read it, we'll read it straight through. Um, has anyone here, this, actually, I can't ask that because it's, it's private medical information, but if you've had COVID in the last two years, you know what it's like to feel like you have to yell, unclean! You know, in a, for, for a few weeks, or I, some of you I talked to a couple of weeks ago, for a few months, you know what it's like to have people repulsed by your presence, people afraid to be near you, people who are in either incapable, unwilling, or it would be unsafe for them to be in physical presence and physical relationship with you. I want you to know that that's how lepers were seen back in Jesus' time. Now, leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease, and it's, a, it's actually a disease of the nerve endings. What happens is you get it and you lose the ability in the extremities, nose, ears, toes, and fingers first. 
you lose the ability to feel pain. And because you lose the ability to feel pain, um, you get, you, you nick yourself, you hurt yourself, you, 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 you slam a finger with a hammer or a rock and you don't notice it. And then it, you have an open wound which gets infected and then it gets infected, the tissue necrotizes, it dies. And so you, you've all seen and heard as you've been growing up and as you've heard about the scriptures, you know that pieces of nose start to fall off, pieces of ears start to fall off, pieces of fingers, pieces, pieces of toes. Imagine if you show up one day and someone goes, what's that spot on your arm? Because all skin, skin diseases, psoriasis, eczema, and leprosy all look the same when they start. It's not very contagious, uh, but they didn't know that then. So if you get a white lesion on your skin, you're supposed to go to the priest. The priest puts you, he examines you, and he puts you in your hut, your tent, your, where you live uh, for seven days, all alone. No interaction with other people. And they don't have, they didn't have iPads and televisions or radios or anything like that. They had themselves. And I don't know if you've ever spent seven days without any contact with any other person and nothing to entertain yourself, but it is a long time to be alone. It's, it's solitary confinement. And then after seven days, the person would come out and if the lesions weren't gone, they went back in for another seven days. If the lesions weren't gone then, they were excommunicated. They were kicked out of the, of, of the whole of the, of the community and they had to put a mask up over their face. They had to tear their clothes. And anytime they came within shouting distance, like me with you, of another human being, they had to stop where they were and yell, unclean. Until the people that they were in yelling distance, within yelling distance of, until they cleared out, that leper couldn't move. And they had to, they were supposed to live alone. Now they did tend to gather in leper communities, but imagine months or years, those of you who had, who had COVID and were, were locked up for a month or more, you know how isolating that is. Imagine months or years. Now, one more thing. I know you know this, most of you, but some of you joining us online may not. The law said if a leper comes within contact with another human being who is not another leper, you broke the law. And so what's supposed to happen to you is people to pick up rocks and throw them at you till you're dead. That's the law. That's the quote unquote righteous thing to do as it had worked itself out. If you want to find out more about that, about the isolation and whatnot, Leviticus 13. And if you want to learn more about the end of the story, Leviticus 14. So here's how it reads. When he came down from the mountainside, Jesus, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy, came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This man just risked his life to have an encounter with Jesus. Because it's not, Jesus isn't all by himself wandering along a road and this man comes up and kind of sneaks up and says, hey, Lord, 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 Lord. A whole crowd is around him. So for him to come up and to kneel before Jesus and say, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. His expectation is all of these people are going to kill me. That's scary. It's a lot worse than going into a grocery store without a mask and have someone decide that they want to correct you and make you guilty for what they're afraid of. This is literally his life is in the hands of Jesus and his, Jesus' response will be everything. 
So he falls to his knees, absolutely desperate, willing to risk his life for an encounter with Jesus with the hope that Jesus might be able to do something. He falls to the, on his knees. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Again, Leviticus 14, you can, you can, you can look, go back in the sticky pages and find out what his gift was supposed to be. It has something to do with birds and then later a lamb. It's a couple of weeks shaved head, that kind of thing. But I want you to see what just happened. Man falls to his knees in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus didn't go, be clean. He reached out his hand and he touched him and then said, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy was gone. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He, this man had not been touched by another human being for at least months, likely years. And Jesus met him where he was. He first loved him and then healed him. He took care of what was most important first and then took care of what the man's desire for healing was. Now, this is a leper. Jewish people are not supposed to have contact with lepers. But Jesus is not afraid of your pain your disease, your outcastness, your, you're on the fringes of society. He's not afraid of any of that. He's not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of your fear. And he's not afraid of a pandemic. Jesus is sovereign Lord over all. And he proves it with the very next thing that he does. First, he says to the outcast class, lepers, I will make you whole. He says to this man, I love you and I'm not repulsed by you. But everyone else expected him to get away from me, you evildoer. That's what they expected Jesus to do. Or to, to turn his back, walk away, and let everyone else throw rocks at him till he was dead. The very next thing that happens, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, that's a man in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. We have no idea what why this, what the ailment of this man, this man's servant was, but we can be, we can take a reasonable guess and it's called poliomyelitis. What you know is polio. It was a scourge of that time. It was floating around all over the place. You know that it, it, it paralyzes people. It cripples people, makes it for many, it's hard for them to breathe. And it's very, very painful. Myelitis is uh, myelin is the, around your nerve endings, uh, around your nerves, the sheath, and it gets inflamed and it gets unbelievably painful. So this Roman soldier, this centurion, this commander of men is worried about someone who works for him in his household. And he comes to Jesus and first of all, he calls him Lord, which I can't imagine a centurion doing. He's probably heard word that Jesus has healed other people who have been paralyzed. Jesus said to him, I'll go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you uh, come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself of a man, as a, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my, I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said, said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. Now, I want to, let me just go make sure I'm on time here. He's a Gentile. Not only is he a Gentile, he's an oppressor. He represents all that is wrong in the Jewish mind with their living situation, with their culture, with their, their freedom. Everything that's wrong with that, this Roman centurion represents. And this Roman centurion humbles himself walks to Jesus, doesn't send a messenger in the gospel of Matthew, walks to Jesus and calls him Lord. He not, maybe he's just showing respect. Maybe he's kind of overheard how Jewish people talk to rabbis, but he's heard something. He knows something. And he asked Jesus to heal his servant. And, and, and Jesus said, I'm, I'll go. And no, no, no. This Roman soldier knows more about the sovereignty of God, knows more about the word made flesh than any person Jesus had contact with yet. He knows that if Jesus says it will be, it will be. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to teach all those following him. He talks about this man's faith, but he says to him, people are going to come from all around, from the Decapolis, from the Gerasenes, from the Gadarenes. Gatherings, I'm not saying it right. Um, they're going to come from, from Ethiopia. We're going to have people from Syria. We're going to have all kinds of people that aren't Jewish that are going to fall to their knees and worship the one true God in flesh, Jesus Christ. But some of those who think they know, some of those who believe that they're entitled to the, the, the eternal life in, in the kingdom of God without submitting their own will to the lordship of Jesus... They're going to find out that not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Not something that if I'm following Jesus, I just heard this world, turn, world upside down turning sermon on the mount. Not the thing that I'm expecting to hear at the moment. Not expecting for him to, to do something for an oppressor. And at the same time, tell me I can't rest on my religious and ethnic laurels to make it into the kingdom of God. So keep in mind, the outcasts, those with medical infirmities, the goyim, the dogs, the jackals, the raccoons, the Samaritans, the Romans, two groups of people that Jews want to have nothing to do with. And then there's the, 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 the people that they want to have something to do with, but they don't have any rights. Those are women. Jesus turned the whole world upside down. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in the bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. 
a repulsive leper he touches, an oppressive Roman he blesses, and a sick woman he touches. The God of the universe with skin on came to set wrong things right. And as Pastor Doug says, he didn't come to make the world a better place. He came to create a people who become the better place. In the beginning of the gospel, according to Matthew, he takes on the devil. Then he calls ordinary people to an extraordinary mission. And then he gives a message that changes everything. If you study the Sermon on the Mount, and I, 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 I encourage you to do so, the things he said changed the rabbinic tradition over and over and over and over again. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, blah, 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 blah. But I say to you, and he corrects it. He changes it. He doesn't make it easier. He actually makes holiness harder. And then a leper, an oppressor, and a sick woman. And why did he do these things? And then all the demon-possessed and all the ill, all the sick, to fulfill what the prophet said, that he will take up and carry. What is it in my life or in yours that Jesus wants to take up and carry? Doesn't say necessarily get rid of, although he healed everyone that came to him, according to the gospel, according to, according to the gospel of Matthew. But what is it that he came to identify with for you? Where is it that you're suffering, grieving, hurting, doubting? What makes you afraid? Because the God of the universe in the person of Jesus Christ walks with you in your fear. And he says, do not be afraid. We'll see that time and time again in the gospel according to Matthew. Do not be afraid. Why? This is scary. Why shouldn't I be afraid? It's terrifying. Why shouldn't I be afraid? I was watching, Lynn and I were watching um, some guys on YouTube, uh, they, they, they got their start making big, huge diesel vehicles. But there's this woman that was killed out in Utah, and they some people believe that she was dropped into this deep down in the ground mine shaft. And so no one's paying for it, but these guys are going out there with their trucks and all this stuff. They're going down 250 feet down, digging out the rubble to see if they can find her remains to give her family closure. And you may not know this about me, but I, am, I don't have many phobias. But the one phobia I have is underground tight spaces. In fact, the worst thing I could do is be in a cave underwater underground. <laughs> I can't even watch it. I get, uh -huh. And we're watching these guys do this for, this for this family they've never met. And they're in tight, tight spaces. And one guy, he, he had a, a, a carabiner and a belay on, and, and he went down. He's one of these guys with big manly beards. And his beard got hung up in the, in the whole thing. And he was hanging by his beard, 250 feet underground. 
and it tore out a big chunk of his beard. And he, and the only thing he said on camera was, well, you just missed that. But man, I was, it was a little sketchy situation. And then he kept digging. Why would someone do something so fearful, something so brave to help someone he doesn't know? Because he wants to bring hope or closure to the family. See, Jesus is not afraid of my fear. He's not afraid of my infirmities. In fact, he takes them up. The God of the universe identifies with his creatures by becoming a creature. That is mind-blowing. That changes everything. Now we no longer have a God, not that we ever did, but we no longer have the perception of a God who does not understand the human condition. He's not just some being off in the netherworld that, that says, okay, people, buck up, do better, try harder. We now have a God who becomes a servant, who says, you can't make your disease go away, but I love you and be clean. He says to an oppressor who shows him honor, I will honor your request with a word from afar. And he, say, he, say, he didn't even say anything to Peter's mother-in-law. He touched her and she was clean. What can he do in, for, and through you? Because if you believe for one minute that he doesn't care about what you're afraid of, what you're hurt by, who you've been betrayed by, or how you see yourself. If you think for one minute that you've messed up so bad that he wants you to prove yourself worthy before he loves you, we have three instances with the most, two, of, two instances with the most reviled people in the world of that day, and he honored them, loved them, and taught his people to do the same. He takes up and he carries whatever burdens you. He becomes, in a theological way, the very thing that separates you from him. See, the righteousness of God in Jesus is put on you. It's called imputation, imputed righteousness. And the sin of you is put on him. What does it mean that he takes up and carries our iniquities and diseases? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. As he, there's an exchange that takes place. As he says to you, you are beloved of God. Come to me. You're no longer separated. By doing that, by saying that, by teaching that, and, by, and it cost him his life. For him to heal a leper cost him his life. For him to cure a centurion servant, it cost him his life. For him to touch Peter's mother-in-law and make her fever go away cost him his life. He was willing for small things like a fever, for big things like paralysis, and for gross things like leprosy, he was willing to die so that those things do not separate us from one another or from God himself. That's amazing. And I know I feel, it feels like I'm yelling at you. It feels like I'm angry at you. That is not it. I hope that you see the eyebrows that are up instead of the seeming anger in my voice. I hope 
that today you will ask again or for the first time Jesus to take up your diseases and carry your infirmities, iniquities, everything that you are, everything that could potentially separate you from God will also separate you from others. I pray that we stop being like the leper, isolating ourselves from others. I pray that we stop being like the community that did that to stop separating others from ourselves. I pray that we look at those who we feel are oppressing us and we see them as people that deserve the same thing we deserve, which is that which we do not deserve, grace. And I pray that we look at those that are infirmed and sick, those that are isolated because they must be, not because we push them away. I pray that we look at them with the same compassion that Jesus looked at Peter's mother-in-law that he walked up to a fevered woman and was willing to touch her. Imagine what the world would be like if Christians behave toward the outcast, behave toward our seeming oppressors or those who want to push us down and to those who are isolated, not by choice. Imagine what the world would look like if Christians said, I'm going to be like Jesus, which is what Christian means. Imagine if we took up infirmities, if we carried people's iniquities, what if we behaved like our Savior does? You think that that would not be transformative in our, in our community, in our culture, in the Western civilization and the world, and worldwide? Of course it would. But it's hard. In this world, there will be trouble. But take heart, says Jesus. I've overcome the world. And in Matthew 8, one story, two story, three stories. He just showed us how he's overcome the world. And he wants us to do the same, be the same, and speak the same. Let's pray. Lord, you know, editing on the fly is not always the wisest thing for me to do. I pray that you communicated to your people what you wanted us to hear. Lord, join us as we consider what it's like to worship a God who takes up and carries, to worship a, a, a God who knows what it's like to suffer, to worship a Savior who came not to be served but to serve, to transform and change everything about us. That leper had to get back into community. That centurion could never see Jews the same way again, and Jews could never see Romans the same way again. And the woman who Jesus healed stood up and began to serve him. May the same be true of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.